Good morning. Um, I got to say, this uh, COVID stuff makes life really complicated, and uh, I am grateful for your patience as we've adjusted the schedule for nothing, it feels like now. Um, we weren't anticipating hearing back about the test results of uh, our kid's teacher yesterday, and we thought that he'd been exposed to COVID, and, and so uh, here I am because that's, everything's all good. Um, I'm just actually thankful that I'm not, I, I, we were planning on maybe me recording myself preach and then sending that in and putting that in the service, so I'm just thankful I don't have to be sitting on my couch watching myself preach right now, so that's, that would have been excruciating. Um, up until this point in Colossians, in, in Colossians 2, Paul has been highlighting, reinforcing, emphasizing the sufficiency of Christ, that it's, it's Jesus alone that we need to know God, to be full, um, to experience the, the presence of God in a real way. Um, he's reminded the readers, us, the, the first Colossian readers, the, as well as us, the, that, that they need to continue to walk in Christ just as they received him. That it's because of Jesus that, that we actually have life, that he's brought us from death to life. He's actually changed us and made us new. That he, it's, it's because of Christ and, and, and the cross that, that we are forgiven of all our sins. It's because of Christ that, that we don't have to fear any kind of um, supernatural powers. He's, he's triumphed over all authority, over all rulers, whether we see them or not. It's all because of Jesus. And yet all of us have this kind of temptation to to slide to, to this default mode of thinking that it's, yes, Jesus is awesome, but I, I also need to do some other stuff. Um, we, we kind of default to this idea that, that there's some aspect of Christianity that, that relies on me, that, that I need to kind of, that there's a self-made religion aspect of it. And that's what these, these false teachers, this influence in, in Colossae, the church there, was trying to encourage the people to believe that, that they need to rely on themselves and, and their ability to do things or not do things or know things. So that's what Paul addresses specifically here is these other people who are, who are trying to, to judge them or to exclude them because they weren't doing the right things. And they were trying to communicate that it was more than just Jesus. They had to, they had to work on it themselves. So listen to God's word as I read from Colossians 2. I'm going to read from verses 16 to 23. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of, wis of wisdom, in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would be our vision, 
We pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly, to see life more clearly, to see ourselves more clearly. We pray that you would open our eyes to see Jesus, that he is enough. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are a few things that I am less confident about in life than, um, than DIY stuff, DIY projects, do-it-yourself projects at the, at the home. I know, know that there are some of you, there are some of you who are, who are very excited and very good at DIY projects. You know, you're, you're experts at remodeling your kitchen or your bathroom, and, and it looks incredible when you're done. Me, not so much. DIY stuff is kind of like my kryptonite. I, I fear it, you know. Um, just a few months ago, Kim brought back these kits from Lowe's um, for, for little kids. Uh, the, there were these, these wooden fire trucks. It was a kit, okay? So it was, it was like eight pieces that you had to hammer together and maybe some stickers at the end that you could put on. And uh, so she brought these home things that would be really a lot of fun for our kids to do them and for me to help them with. And, and so I pulled one out. Our, our youngest, uh, David, who's five, really was excited about building this fire truck and having this fire truck that he was going to play with when, I, when we were done. And so we, we took it out, unpacked it. I started following the directions. Again, it's, it's a kit. It wasn't like, you know, this pine wood derby thing where you have a block of wood and you have to carve it and you have to, you know, do everything to make it, you know, what it is. It's a kit. So I take these pieces and I start following the directions with David. And, and, and it's, it's within the first three steps that I realized I'd, I'd put one piece on backwards. And so I have to take it apart. I have to pull the nails out and, and take it apart and put it back together the right way. And then we're finally getting near the end, and we're putting the ladder on the fire truck. I mean, the ladder is really what makes the fire truck the fire truck because it's going to swivel and move and move up and down and stuff. It's, it's, it's very exciting for the five-year-old at least. And, and so, so I, I go to put the ladder on, and then uh, it, it's not long before I realize I put the ladder on upside down. And so I take it off again. And then I put it on the right way, but as I'm hammering it in, it's the, the nail splits the, the, the ladder in half. And as that happens, I look over and I just see David's face just be like, he's just crushed, absolutely crushed. And that's, that's what happens when I do do-it-yourself stuff at home. Pretty much 99% of the time, it ends up in, as a disaster. Um, and I realize that some of us are, are great at them, but, but I'm awful. It it's always ends up in a disaster. The false teachers in Colossae were encouraging the people in the church to think that they needed more than just Jesus, what he has done, who he is, to become a Christian and to live life as a Christian. One example of this is in the way that they, that they pursued Christian growth and maturity. They were promoting self-made, or in other words, DIY religion. As he says in verse 23, right? So he says, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, right? So these guys were promoting DIY religion, do it yourself. And what did that look like? Well, it revolved around um, a list of rules of things you should do or not do, eat or not eat, right? In verse 16, you know, if you abstain from these foods or these drinks, then you were more mature, you were more holy, um, it, it had to do with observing different calendar days and, and festivals that, that God had given to the, the Jewish people in the Old Testament. As long as I observed these rituals and these festivals, then I am good. I'm more holy, right? 
It involved asceticism. He talks about that twice. He, he refers to the idea of asceticism twice, which is really basically being harsh, treating your physical body harshly, thinking that the more pain you feel, the more holy you are. And this might have, he might have been specifically referring to maybe fasting, um, that, that as, as people starve themselves, they were somehow more holy because of that. As they made, them suffer, made themselves suffer more, they were better people. They were closer to God because of that. Um, it also had to do with visions, with experiences, right? He says uh, in verse 18, they, they go on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by their sens- sensuous, sensuous mind. They, they had these experiences where they, where they, you know, maybe, I don't know what the visions were, but they, they saw these things that other people maybe didn't see. And they felt, but because they had these amazing experiences, these visions, that they were automatically more mature as Christians or more holy or more perfect or closer to God, more Christian. And so this is what DIY religion revolved around. All of these, this kind of checklist of all these different things that if they were experiencing these things, doing these things, observing these things, then they were more truly Christian than the other people. And, and, and they were trying to encourage others to, to follow these same rules, this same checklist. That's DIY religion. But Paul says at the very end, he says, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. DIY religion does not work. That's what Paul says. It doesn't work. Um, you know, there may be some of us who are really good at DIY projects, at, at re, remodeling our bathrooms. But when it comes to your spiritual life, what Paul says is, is your spiritual life cannot be a DIY project. You're, you're going to be about as successful in your spiritual life, getting closer to God and becoming more of the person God wants you to be um, if you're doing it on your own with self-made religion as I would be putting on an addition to my house. That would be a nightmare. And so this is what Paul says. Why is DIY religion, do-it-yourself religion, such a problem? That's what I want to look at just briefly. Um, four different things. One, one, the first reason that DIY religion is bad, is wrong, is, is a problem, is because it encourages us to think that we are in control, that we can be in control. In verse 16, some people are judging others because they're not observing certain requirements about food and drink, right? Or they're not observing certain festivals or certain calendar days, or they're not observing the Sabbath just the right way. And so they're judging others because of this. Now, this is the thing. When we reduce the Christian life to a set of requirements and rules and rituals, our Christian growth then becomes something that we can control, it's quantifiable, right? As long as I check off these things, then I can feel like I'm a Christian. I can feel like I'm getting closer to God because I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. If I eat the right things, I'm good. If I don't eat the, the, the wrong things, then I'm good. If, if I learn to say the right words and avoid the wrong words, then I'm, I'm closer to God. I'm more of a Christian. If I, know, if, I, if I learn to agree with the right things, maybe politically in this time, day and time, right? then I feel like I, I'm a Christian. Or if I, if I don't agree with the right things, then I, I have to worry about if I'm a Christian or not. If, if we just reduce it to a list of things that we have, to, we have to know and agree with or do or not do, if I can reduce it to just me making myself feel bad 
choosing to do things that cause me to suffer, then again, I'm in control. I can feel like I can do the right things and enough things to feel like I'm truly a Christian or growing as a Christian. But this is the problem. Because we don't have control over our growth. Are there things that we can do? We just talked about this yesterday in the men's study. There are things that we can do in our lives to put, us in, put ourselves in the path of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can read our Bible. We can worship at church. Um, we can spend time with other Christians. We, we can do things that put us in the path of the Holy Spirit, but we can't force ourselves to grow, to grow closer to God. To, 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 we can't force ourselves to, ch- ourselves to change, to become more like the people God wants us to be, to reflect who God is. Because it's about growing. That's the way the Bible describes it. That's the way God describes it. That's the way Paul describes it here, right? He says this. Um, These people aren't holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Progress as a Christian is about growing. How much do we have control about as far as growing things. I think about my grass in my yard, which I'm constantly <laughs> having a challenge to grow. I mean, I can, I can throw seed out there. I can put fertilizer out there, but I can't be the person to actually make it grow. God is the only one that can make it grow. I, I look at my, myself. I, I'm six feet tall, or at least I like to say I'm six feet tall. I'm actually 5'11 and three quarters. I've been trying to like, you know, just kind of assume the last quarter of an inch my whole life since I've gotten to be this height. And, and, and this is the thing. Am I, have I, is, is being six feet or 5'11 and three quarters, is that something I have achieved by working really hard at it? No. I mean, yes, can, can we eat the wrong things and cause our growth to stunt, things like that? Yes, but ultimately, God is the one who makes us the height we are. He's the one who grows us. And, and, it's, and it's true about Christian maturity and growth as well. It's only by the power of the Spirit of God that we actually are able to grow, are able to grow in our intimacy with God, in our understanding and and our ability to love people as God calls us to love them, to show patience and compassion and gentleness and and, and self-control and faithfulness, all those things. It's it's things that that God causes us to, causes to grow in us. And so DIY religion encourages us to to take control of our growth and to think that we can control our growth, whereas real Christian growth is a lot more about dependence on the Spirit of God and trust in the Spirit of God. You know, sometimes we, we, we can read the Bible every day of our lives And sometimes we're going to read the Bible and we're going to feel like God is incredibly close. Sometimes we're going to feel like God is not close at all. Just the action of reading that Bible every day is a good discipline to get into. But reading the Bible isn't just me controlling that situation. is isn't going to cause me to grow. I need to to read in dependence on the Spirit of God and surrender to the Spirit of God. Recognizing that only He can open my eyes to see what I need to see and change my heart. And so DIY religion encourages us to to take control, to feel like we can be in control of our relationship with God, when in reality, our relationship with God is fundamentally about dependence and trust. Um, Secondly, DIY religion is also a problem because it it results in comparison. 
It results in comparison. What are the Christians in Colossae falling prey to? There are these others who are, verse 16, passing judgment on them, right? There are others in verse 18 who are trying to disqualify them because they haven't had the right experiences, because they aren't obeying the right rules. Um, that's what DIY religion does. That's what self-made religion does, man-made religion does. It, it, it moves us as we focus on our little checklists to then look around. The most natural thing for us to do then is to look around and see how everybody else is doing on their own checklists. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, uh, these, these like painting parties. Sometimes it's like wine and painting or something. But you, um, Kim and I went with some friends several years ago where you go and there's an artist up front with their canvas, and everybody has their own canvas, right? And the person up front then kind of paints this beautiful scene, and they go through it step by step, and, and you try to follow along and do what they do and use the colors they use. And you know what invariably happens is everybody else, everybody's working on their own little painting, trying to copy the painting up front. Everybody is looking at everybody else's, right? I'm looking at others, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's incredible, Mine looks awful next to that. How, how are they doing that? You know, I'm feeling awful about my, my own creation because I'm so focused on how good this person is. Or I, until I at least look over to this other person, I'm like, what is that? Are they even looking at this person and trying to follow them? You know, I feel superior. And that's what DIY religion does as we focus on our, all of our own sets of rules and experiences. and reli- you know, we, it, it becomes so easy to look around and either judge others or to be like, I, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't even know. Right? It results in comparison. When we're preoccupied with the people around us, then we're unable to do what Paul urges us to do, verse 19, which is to hold fast to Jesus, hold fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. What happens when we are focused on Jesus, when we're getting our strength from Jesus, when we're being nourished by him? Instead of comparison, it actually knits us together. It makes us unified, right? And so that's another issue with DIY religion. The third problem with DIY religion is that it, and, and it follows from these other, other problems, is, is conceit. Conceit, in verse 18, Paul calls out the people who are disqualifying others. He's saying, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. They're puffed up as they focus on these experiences that they've had, these visions that they've had, as they, as they focus on these rituals that they're observing, they're starting to, to think so much of themselves. They're puffed up. It's interesting how the way that he puts it, he says, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, right? So focused on what's in our mind that, that our head is getting so big that it, that it gets too big for us to actually see the head, that is Jesus, our head gets in the way of the true head because we're so preoccupied with, with how well we're doing with our own checklist. Conceit is a real problem. You know, we, 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 when we focus on trying to, you know, thinking that, again, reading your Bible on a daily basis is 
a healthy thing to do. But when we look at that discipline and think that, you know, I haven't missed a day in, in two weeks of reading my Bible, and think that that somehow makes me more holy, um, it, it ends up with me focusing on what I have done rather than looking at Jesus, the one I need, right? Um, the whole idea of asceticism. This, this is a, a real trap for me <laughs> because of my personality. I tend to think that I am more holy when I, I experience greater suffering, <laughs> when I choose to do things that are hard and painful. Um, I think about, you know, us as foster parents, you know, there's some real challenges to being foster parents. And, 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 and it can be very easy for me to look at myself and to think of myself and be like, oh, look what I've chosen to do. And look at all this hard stuff we're going through. And I'm, I must be closer to God because of that. Does God use these things to move me closer to him? Yes. Does he use suffering to move, move us closer to him? Yes. But it's easy for me to just look at this and say, oh, because of this, I am holy. There's a scene in uh, Instant Family. Um, I've, I've mentioned the movie Instant Family before. A great movie, very funny. Um, but there's this one scene where, the, where the, the, these two parents who, who have decided to become foster parents, and they brought these three kids into their home, and, and they, they've just been moved to the breaking point. <laughs> and they're, the, the, the husband and wife are, are in their bed together just being like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I think we just, need to, we just need to send it back. We need to send it back, right? Um, and that, so they're like debating about the whole like, you know, but, but, you know, can we really do it? I feel so guilty. And, but then eventually one of them says, but you know what? Everybody thinks we're such saints because we do this. And the other one's like, yeah, I know. That's the best part. And I know that people think better of me because I do foster care. And I can actually buy into that myself. And this is the problem. When we, when we seek to be doing stuff that may be hard, that may cause us to suffer, it, it, can, it can feed into our, our, our pride, our conceit, our preoccupation with ourself, rather, and, and, and distract us from, from what we need to be focusing on, which is Jesus. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who makes us. He is the one who grows us. Lastly, DIY religion is a problem because it is counterfeit. It's, it's counterfeit. He says it in a few different ways here. These human precepts and teachings have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They, they have no real power to change us, to make us different. They don't have that kind of power. Earlier on, when he talks about these, these Old Testament practices, these festivals, the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath, which is a, is a good thing that I think God calls us to do. But, but as we, uh, one thing, that God gave, gave a bunch of laws to the, to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And, and some of those laws were given to, to help them understand what, what living as those who, who reflect God's character should, should look like. But, but then some of those laws were given to the, to the people to teach them about their need for Jesus, to teach them about what Jesus would do. Um, some people call them ceremonial laws. And these laws had to do with how they worshiped, how they sacrificed, how they observed um, certain aspects of, 
the Sabbath and other festivals. And these things were given to the people not to make them more holy by doing them, but to to show them how much they needed Jesus to come. And so in that sense, this is what Paul is saying. These things were just shadows of the substance that is Jesus. These things were meant to, to point people, to teach people about what Jesus would do and who he is. And so in a sense, they were counterfeit. As the, as the people looked to these things to make them whole, to make them holy, rather than to looking to the one who is substance, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. That is where substance is found in experiencing the fullness of God. That's the only place. And so these things, they're not bad in and of themselves, but we need to look at them as as signposts that point us to the one who is actually true not counterfeit, the one who can actually satisfy us and change us and make us new and move us closer to God. The substance of Christianity is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. The power for Christianity, the power for transformation is Jesus. Dependence on Jesus, dependence on his life, dependence on on his death for us. His resurrection, dependence on the fact that God, by his spirit, has united us to him. His spirit and presence in our lives, that is where the substance is. In the movie Moana, if you've seen the movie Moana, it's a Pixar movie, uh, or it's a Disney movie, I'm not sure which it is, sorry. A young girl goes on a quest to return a special glowing green stone called the Heart of Tafiti in order to get rid of a curse on her island, Right? And um, at one point, she and the hero that's with her, Maui, um, they, they're confronted by this giant crab named Tomatoa. And this crab, you know, lives down in the, the depths of the sea. And, 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 and he, all he wants to do is just gather treasures for himself. He's, he sits on this giant pile of golden treasure. And, and, and that's what he thinks will, will give him life and satisfaction, and, and so uh, they end up confronted by him, and what he desperately wants is this green stone, this glowing green stone, and, and, he's, and he's fighting them, and he's defeating them, and he's beating up Maui and everything, and, 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 they don't, and she doesn't know what to do, and eventually she, she sees an idea, and, and, she, and she grabs this barnacle and covers it with algae, and she holds it up to him, and, and it looks like the green stone, and she says, is this what you want? And then he, lo- he turns, and he looks at her, He's like, yes, and he starts chasing her. He's like, you can't run from me, and then she starts running. He's like, okay, you can run from me. And so she runs, and, and then she f- pretends to trip, and she stumbles, and she drops the green stone, and it lands in this, or falls down this crevice. And Tomatoa runs over there, scurries over there, and starts digging through the, fl- the ocean floor to try to get to this green stone because he thinks that that is what will make him whole. That's what will give him life. And meanwhile, she and Maui escape. They're able to escape. And Maui's like, what about the green? What about the, the heart of Tafiti? And, and she, she's like, no, I've got it right here. And eventually that's, that's when the crab, Tomatoa, finds the green stone and he holds it up and he's like, he starts laughing and he says, I've got it. And then he looks at it and he realizes, he's like, oh, she's taken a barnacle and covered it in luminescent algae as a diversion. And they run away. And then he, he just crushes it, realizing it, that, that, it's, that it's nothing, that it's fake, that it can't satisfy him. 
from far away DIY religion looks really good. It has the appearance of wisdom. But up close, it's not the same. It, it doesn't have the same power and presence of Jesus himself. And we need to be careful. We need to be really careful that we're not digging after the fullness of God's love by digging with these things, these checklists, these experiences, you know, um, these specific rules, making sure I do this or don't do this or, or get a good streak of this, right? Because it's only in Christ that we will, that, that God promises to give us life, to, to pour out his love upon us. It's only at the cross of Christ that we can be given the presence of God and the fullness of God. And so are these other things, are they bad in and of themselves? Not necessarily. But let's hold fast to Jesus himself. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the sufficiency of Christ to our need for Jesus. Father, move us to a greater dependence on Jesus in all of life. Father, set us free from thinking that we can control our relationship with you, that we can control how close we can get to you, um, that we can control our ability to, to become the people that, that we know we should be, we need you. That's the bottom line. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to God's word, let's take a